Let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we believe that you are here with us, really, truly, substantially present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. We thank you, Lord, for this gift of faith. We thank you for this gift of your real presence. Please, Lord, increase our faith. Help us to appreciate more and more this gift of your presence. We believe, Lord, that you want to be here with us. We believe that you created us for yourself and that you redeemed us for yourself. You didn't want to abandon us. You didn't want to write us off. You could never forget us. You couldn't imagine living without us, and that's why you chose to die for us and rise in order to give us new life. And then you poured out your Holy Spirit into our hearts, which enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. You made us your sons and daughters through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit here this morning. We pray for more faith, hope, and love. We pray for more knowledge and wisdom and understanding. More peace and more joy. We open our hearts to you, Lord, this morning, and we invite you to come into our hearts to speak to our hearts, to touch our hearts, to heal us, to console us, to inspire us and encourage us. Mother Mary, we want to crown you the queen of our time together here this morning with your son and with each other as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I would like to just begin our reflection this morning by reading from Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. Matthew eleven twenty-five. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, For I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So one of the things we want to appreciate here this morning is that we have all been chosen. We've all been chosen by the Son, by Jesus, the Christ. And He has chosen us because He wanted to reveal to all of us the love of the Father. And that was His initiative. God wanted to choose you. And so you can feel chosen. <laughs> it's one of the seven desires of every heart, and that's what I want to talk about first this morning. The handout I passed out. I hope you all have a handout. If not, Lucia, raise your hand, and she's in the back. She has more copies if anybody needs more copies. As you can see, this is called the iceberg model. And we've talked about this in theory before, but we're going to use it a little more intentionally today. And if you look at the very bottom, we see the self, ourselves. So that speaks to our identity. And we as Christians believe that our identity is rooted and grounded in Christ, because we have now been made sons and daughters in the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what defines us now. That is our identity. That is who we are. It's not what we do, but it's who we are. And that's really important. We can never appreciate that too much. We can never reflect on that too much. Because as you can see, it's the foundation for everything else in our lives. So Lord, please help us to appreciate more and more who we are, who we have become because of what you have done for us. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of your love for us and the action that you took on our behalf. And right above the South, we have what's labeled here as yearnings. You could also say that those are the desires of every heart. And really, they're more than just yearnings and desires. They're really needs. If we're going to thrive as human beings, if we are going to live an abundant life in Christ, these are not optional. They're genuine needs. And let's face it, we all sometimes have a hard time admitting that we are needy. We've talked about this before. Even our culture, here in the United States in particular, promotes this rugged individualism to a fault, I would say. And there's not always a healthy promotion 
of mutual, uh, of interdependence on one another. That's not always seen in such a positive light. And we pride ourselves sometimes on not being needy, or we pride ourselves on being self-made men and women. But the whole point that the Lord wants us to appreciate about being made sons and daughters in the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit is that we can now pride ourselves on Him, in a sense. We can pride ourselves on the fact that we are sons and daughters of God. If you want to pride yourself on anything, pride yourself on that. Take rest in that. Take delight in that. Find joy in that. And that's why Jesus, in our gospel today, is inviting us to come to him. Because he knows that we all have to labor and we are heavy laden. He knows that this is a valley of tears. He knows that because of sin, we are all in need of not only forgiveness, but of healing. Because our relationships with God and with each other, with ourselves, even with nature, have been broken, have been ruptured, have been made more difficult, to say the least. And so we struggle. We struggle with getting in touch with our genuine needs and and bringing them to the Lord. When Jesus says, come to me, he's inviting you to come to him with a spirit of humility. He even references that in a few verses uh, prior to inviting us to come to him when he says, he praises the Father for hiding these things from the wise and the learned, from the proud, and revealing them to infants, to, to, to the childlike. So that's one of the reasons why Therese, the little flower, was so honored, and, and, and she's being held up as such an example for us in these modern times. Because she understood the essence of being childlike. The essence of being childlike is having this bold confidence in approaching God with all of our needs and desires. And not being scared, not being ashamed, not being hard on ourselves for having these needs and desires, but rather trusting that God gives us the good desires and wants to fulfill them. He wouldn't give us a good desire. Think about that. God wouldn't give us a good desire if he didn't want to fulfill it or find some way to fulfill it for you, if not directly through others. And so we bring the desires of our hearts to the Lord. He's inviting us to do that. Like children. And children, when they have that healthy relationship with their parents, approach their parents with great boldness, with great confidence, knowing, believing that mommy and daddy are going to come through. 
and give them whatever they need. And so I didn't make a handout with the seven desires, but I figured you could make notes on this handout today. And we could talk a lot about these seven desires, but I just want to highlight them for you today, and I encourage you to get the book. Father Tan actually talked about this book a couple years ago, but it's one of those topics that you just can't get enough of. So the book is The Seven Desires of Every Heart. We've been discussing it in our community, in our legionary community, believe it or not. Imagine that, right? Six or seven legionary priests sitting around the table talking about their feelings and their desires, and it's been very good. It's been very good. So the the authors are Mark and Deborah Laser, L-A-A-S-E-R, a Christian couple. And their mentor was Virginia Satir, Virginia Satir. And it was Virginia Satir who developed this iceberg model. If you've been on retreat with me before, I've probably given you a copy of The Tree. So this is complementary to The Tree, the anatomy of a wound, where you have the branches and the, you know, the certain behavior that's visible, but the problem really isn't the problem. But we have to follow the branches to the trunk, to the roots. And at, at the root of it all, at the bottom of it all, we discover ultimately that our needs and our desires were not fulfilled in some way when we were younger. And we then developed ideas and, and beliefs and, and perceptions and expectations, as you see in the iceberg model, about what was happening to us or, or what was not happening to us that we wanted to happen, if you follow me. So let's just touch on these desires, and then we'll come back to this more after our pause. So the first desire is to be heard or understood. To be heard or understood. To have somebody listen to you. And we all know, we all appreciate when somebody listens to us and validates our thoughts and our feelings. When we express an opinion, when we share our feelings, we want somebody to hear us and to validate us so that we know we've been heard and understood, so that we can have a connection with somebody. And when that doesn't happen, again, we can start to think that, well, I really don't have a voice or nobody really cares what I think. And then it, it can get even worse, right, from there. It can go from bad to worse if people don't listen to us and validate our thoughts, our opinions, our feelings, our ideas, our initiatives. And the danger with all of these desires is when they're not met, we just simply turn them off. We repress them. We bury them. We stifle them. Because it's more painful, in a sense, to express something and to be met with rejection or ridicule than it is to just simply not say or do anything at all. So we learn 
again, as kids, we learn to survive. We learn to cope. And that coping is the second layer just below the surface. And let's face it, oftentimes we're in that survival mode. We're just coping. And God doesn't want us to live like that. God said that I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I want to listen to you. I want to hear you out. I want to validate you. I want to encourage you. And so, again, prayer is a beautiful place to express your thoughts and feelings to the Lord, knowing that he will hear you, knowing that he appreciates that. The second desire is to be affirmed for what we do. To be, to be distinguished from the next desire, to be blessed for who we are. But to be affirmed for what we do. And that's important. To be, uh, to be appreciated, right? I know how much moms like to be appreciated. That's a form of affirmation. When somebody shows you appreciation for what you have done for them, that's a form of affirmation. And we all desire that. To know that what we are doing is valued and it's, yeah, it's good. That we have something to contribute. And then to be blessed for who we are. In the book, Mark and Deborah Laser point out that Jesus himself and his humanity needed to be blessed at his baptism before he even went out to preach or heal or perform other miracles of any kind. Before he did any works at his baptism, he was blessed by the Father. We heard the Father's voice, remember that? You are my beloved son. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And Jesus was just basking in that. Ah, oh, that's my dad. Yeah. Say it again, you know. Play it again. But in his humanity, he needed to hear that. And that was a desire of his. In his divinity, of course not. Right? He is eternal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. But he was true man. He fully embraced our humanity. He fully embraced the need to be needy. He fully embraced this vulnerability as a, as a man. And so he was blessed by the Father before he went out to do any works. So he felt special. The Father made him feel loved, made him feel special. And that's, again, something we all desire to experience. And it, you know, now that we're adults and we've had to, you know, we've, been all, we've all been beaten up in one way or another through life. As kids, we first really learn these things in a visceral way. We don't learn them in an intellectual way. 
We learn them in a physical way, in an emotional way, in a visceral way. With all of the nonverbal communication that takes place between a child and its mother and its father. Right? Think about it for a second. Little kids don't learn intellectually at first. But now because we've been broken and bruised along the way, we probably need to hear these things. And to think about these things. And as we hear these things and as we reflect on these things, then the experience can come. The Holy Spirit will validate the thought and help you to have a feeling, help you to have that experience that what you're hearing is true. So you can say to yourself, yeah, boy, it, I feel blessed just to be here, knowing, knowing that God wants to be here with me, knowing that he has made me for himself and redeemed me for himself and shared his life and his Holy Spirit with me. Wow, as I think about that, I, I feel blessed. I feel blessed to be here. And yeah, and in some ways, I feel affirmed. God appreciates me making the effort to be here today. Definitely. We're grateful for God being here, but God is also grateful to each and every one of you. He appreciates your presence here today, that you have come to spend time with him. Because this is just who he is. I mean, God is love. He can't not love. And as women, as moms, most of you are moms, you, you know how painful that is when you want to love somebody and they don't receive it. Well, how do you think it is for God? It's the same way. Right? God so much, so desires to, to love us. And when we're not open to that, well, I mean, it hurts him too. So the fact that we are all here today wanting to be loved, wanting to share in this grace, in this moment, well, that makes him very happy. He appreciates that. He's affirmed by that, believe it or not. Okay, let's move on. Uh, to feel safe, a desire to feel safe. You know, today we talk about a safe place. We all desire a safe place to express ourselves. To be ourselves. Let's face it, right? We all do things in our bedroom, you know, like we dance in funny ways, right? And sing in the shower, you know, we just... When we feel safe in those places where we know nobody else is watching or listening, we're, you know, we let it all hang out, so to speak, right? We get crazy. And when you know that you can get crazy in front of other people, that's fun too, right? I mean, we all, we all appreciate that. And, and so we all have that desire to feel safe, not just... And that would include then physical things, right? Clothing and food and shelter. But it also includes these other ways 
that we want to feel safe. Number five would be to be touched in a healthy, non-sexual way. So healthy touch. I think Virginia Satir is quoted in the book as saying that we need four hugs a day to survive, eight to maintain our health, and 12 to grow. So 12 hugs a day to grow, eight to maintain health, four just to survive, you know. And for those of you who are familiar with attachment theory, even in the animal world, physical proximity and connection with a mother is even more important than water. They've actually witnessed like lab rats <laughs> die, not because of a lack of food and water, but because of a lack of physical touch from its mother. So that's something that, again, our culture doesn't always appreciate so much as perhaps Latin cultures. <laughs> but that's something that we can be mindful of. Number six is a desire to be chosen, a desire to be desired, a desire to be wanted. We all have that desire. And, and again, Jesus has called us. Jesus has chosen each and every one of us to be his And if we, again, reflect on that, and if we appreciate that more and more, we can have that true sense of being chosen, of being wanted. And then finally, a desire to be included in something bigger than yourself, to be included in a family, in a parish, a team, a group, an organization. And that's, again, God's wisdom. That's how he made us. We all thrive in healthy families. We all thrive in healthy teams and, and parishes and school communities. And again, that contributes to our sense of purpose. Why am I here? We all want to know the answer to that question. Why am I here? I'm not here just for myself. I'm here for others. I'm here for a purpose. I'm here, I have a mission. Some people like that word. I have a mission. And as disciples, as apostles of Christ... Jesus absolutely sends us out. As the Father sent me, so I send you. I'm sending you out. You have a mission. You have a purpose. Again, in his humility, God is depending on us. God is wanting to include us in his mission. And 
And even that glorifies him. If you think about it, right? Again, if you've raised children, if you've taught, or if you've coached, what is it that brings you joy as a parent, as a teacher, as a coach? It's when your child or pupil or athlete does what you tell them to do, (laughs) does what you taught them to do. When they model the behavior that you were teaching them. That makes you happy, right? I've seen it on the faces of parents and teachers. And and, and I, as a coach, I've coached a little bit. and, And obviously, I teach in different ways. But I am joyful. I am happy when I see people doing the things that I encouraged them to do or taught them to do. And so that desire to be included, we are absolutely included in God's mission, in God's purpose, in his plans. Remember what he told Jeremiah, I have great plans for you. Plans for a future full of hope. And we certainly need to renew our faith in that. We need to renew our faith in the future full of hope that God has for us. So those are the seven desires. We're going to pause now.